morning, church. So um, for those of you who are visiting, we've come to the part in our service where we go through what we've been doing for the past, for the summer, uh, which is uh, essentially a Bible lesson throughout the summer where we dig deeper into the Bible, get more context around some of the scriptures we're familiar with, and get into some of the things that we may have kind of glossed over when we've read the Bible, but not have gone very deep into. Um, And for those of you who don't have it, um, we've been going through the training for service guide. Um, If you guys do not have one, I believe they're usually selling them after service in the back. If not, you can reach out to uh, Gladys Joshua, who can probably get you um, one. Gladys is in the front right over there. Perfect. So uh, we're going to be continuing um, in chapter 21, um, but before we do, we're going to kick off with a quiz. All right. Um, And as always, we go through it uh, based on the reading we did the previous week. Um, And we are, and for those of you who are just uh, visiting, we just finished um, discussing and going over uh, the death, the, bez- the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and the people who had seen him. So uh, the first question, who can name me two of the events that happened in the last three months of Jesus' ministry? Uh, did I see some? Yes. He raised Lazarus from the dead, correct. Anybody else? Yes. Yes, he met the rich young ruler, and that's when people heard how difficult it was for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Perfect. Um, Can someone name me two of the things that happened in the final week of Jesus' ministry? Let's see. Oh, yes. Yes, the triumphal entry when he went into Jerusalem on the donkey and people were praising him and throwing palms on the ground. Yes, and one more. Yes. And, of course, the crucifixion. Uh, That was a freebie. All right. So we're going to go right in, and we're going to discuss what happened right after um, Jesus' resurrection. So up until now, we've been going through um, everything in Jesus' life, just Jesus' life, when he died, when he came back, the 40 days after he resurrected, where he was speaking with the disciples and teaching them and explaining to them in more detail why it is he had to do everything he had to do, and then proving definitively that he was back when he went to 500 people and he was seen by all of them. So now we've gone to the place where we're going to be talking about what, happens, what happened afterwards. But before we get into that detail, um, let's go and recap what we have in the New Testament. Right? We have first the earthly life of Christ, which we've just finished, and now we're going into the beginnings of the church, the actual formation of the church. But in order to understand the church, we need to understand its people and the people that really drove the church forward were the apostles. Now, we're going to go into what an apostle is in a minute, but we're going to go through who made up this ragtag group of individuals who were tasked by Jesus to go and spread his message. And we're going to go through them by name, um, and the reason we're going to do this is it gets a bit confusing as you read the Bible because you'll see different people show up with different names, and we're going to explain that in a second. So... One thing you'll notice is whenever the Bible describes and lists these people, they're kind of bucketed into groups. And it looks like they do that for a reason, because a lot of them have a lot of things in common. Uh, The first group, which is the ones that are probably the most popular, right? That's the the fisherman group, right? That is Simon, Andrew, um, and then James and John, uh, two sets of brothers, 
right? Then you have group two, uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Levi. Um, I like to call those the keep it real group because those guys don't like beat around the bush about things. Um, And then you have um, James, the son of Alphaeus, Judas, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Those are kind of like the troublemakers, and I'll explain why in a minute. I think Judas Iscariot was obvious, but we'll go into a bit more detail about their personalities and their lifestyles in one quick second. But one thing you'll notice is throughout the Bible, you'll see different names listed for these people. And there are a couple reasons for this. Number one, because of where they lived in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire was fragmented with multiple people from different cultures speaking different languages, and those languages were trying to mix together. So because of that, people were being called different things based on where they lived. A good example, actually, of that in real life is my name, right? So in, if you were in Haiti, I wouldn't be Jean, I would be Jean, right? But here it's Jean because that's how it's phonetically spelled, because, but it's actually the translation of the name John, right? That same thing had been happening 2,000 years ago. So on top of that, there were also people being given nicknames. So the disciples really liked to nickname people, and it looked like it was a sign of encouragement to just highlight them by their characteristics. So uh, the first set, um, you have Peter, who was called Cephas, or Peter, um, whose name was um, Simon. And Cephas and Peter essentially mean the rock which is probably one of the coolest names Jesus can give you. He just calls you the rock. That's awesome. But anyway. Um, then for James and John, they were called the Sons of Thunder. That's what their, that was their nickname. Right? So as you keep going, a few of the other ones were called different things. So um, Bartholomew was also known as Nathaniel. Um, and that's just to, to reference his family and his origin. Um, Didymus... Uh, sorry, Thomas was also known as Didymus, um, and there are a couple differences in beliefs as far as how he got that name. They believe either he's ir- ir- very agreeable or he had a twin, because it kind of meant ditto or copy, um, kind of like that's where we got the word ditto from. Um, also, um, Levi was also named Matthew. Uh, Matthew is a Hebrew word for God's gift. And uh, a couple of others, um, Judas, um, son of James, was also called um, Thaddeus. Um, which means a person with a big heart. So he was probably fairly generous to people. Um, And James was just called the younger James because there was already another James who was either older or bigger. So they were like, you're you're James number two. So, uh, yeah, I kind of feel bad for James sometimes. But yeah, he was pretty much called kind of like little James. Um, And uh, Simon the Zealot was just called the Zealot, and we're going to go into that in one second. And then Judas, I don't think they had a nickname for him, and I'm pretty sure we all know why. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, taking a step back, um, a couple of things happened. After Judas uh, was, uh, well, after Judas killed himself, um, he had to be replaced. And after that point, they casted lots and added Matthias. And then the very last apostle was probably one of the most famous ones, the Apostle Paul. Now, taking a step back, let's go into the characteristics of these people. Because all these 12 people with the exception of maybe the first four who were all fishermen, had very little in common. In fact, some of them would have been outright enemies outside of this group. And two I want to kind of highlight are Levi and Simon. So Levi, also called Matthew, his job was a tax collector. And I think we talked about this last week. His job was to take money from the Jews and give them to the Romans, right, to collect the tax. Simon was a zealot. Now what a zealot is, it's... 
I don't want to call it a terrorist, but a, an extremist. Basically, he was on the fringe calling for uprisings against the Roman Empire. Right? He, that, that group was kind of calling for that Old Testament fight the power kind of mindset to fight back and kind of rebel against the Roman Empire. Right? And so if you see, you have one guy who's going, fight the Romans. Another guy going, I need to collect your money so I can give it to the Romans. There could naturally be some friction in that group. But somehow these people were able to work together and be cohesive because of one thing, their dedication and their closeness to Jesus. Right? So this goes to show how powerful God's power is just because he can take any differences and we can overlook pretty much any difference if we're focusing on the right things. So a couple of things you're going to notice is not too many of these people were biblical scholars. Not too many of these people were important people of rank in the community. And this gets highlighted when they get brought up before the same Sanhedrin that actually attacked and beat Jesus. So um, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 8 through 20. You can say amen when you get there. Amen. The Bible reads, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and sorry, this is right after Peter just healed a cripple that had been around over 40 years old. So people had seen this cripple. Peter goes by, heals this man, and then now he's being called in to ask how he was able to do it. So, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you have crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which he must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you? Or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, two things I want to highlight here. First of all, this is the same Sanhedrin that beat Jesus, covered up his face, and struck him, saying, prophesy to me, Jesus, who hit you? These were the same people Peter was afraid of about a month ago, a month and a half ago. These are the same people that bound him and that Peter was denying right outside their courtyard three times. Now Peter is standing face to face with them 
calling them out and teaching them about Jesus. Think about the impact that Jesus must have had on Peter's life. And one of the big things I want to take into account, and one of the big things that they noticed is they realized these were Galileans. They were from the fishing area. These weren't the guys from Jerusalem. These weren't the teachers of the law. These guys were not the impressive scholars of this age. The thing that qualified them to be apostles and the thing that qualifies us to help other people is not our education, it's not our pedigree, it's not our background, it's not what we know or who we know. The only thing that matters is our proximity to Jesus. That is the one thing that defined the apostles. These were the guys closest to Jesus. And that is the only thing that determines what you can do for God. Right? So long as you're remaining close to Jesus and you're following him wholeheartedly, that's what drives what you can do. And that was the one determining criteria for apostleship. These guys saw Jesus face to face and learned from him directly. You know, even Paul, who, who calls himself abnormally born, where Jesus had to come down himself to come and convert that guy. But he got to see Jesus. And that closeness is what drove what the apostles were about. Now, the next question is, well, what is an apostle and why does an apostle exist in the first place? Well, the bottom line is Jesus called them to be the guys who led the charge to spread his word throughout the entire world. And Jesus had a very concrete plan. So in Acts, Jesus kind of told them, listen, you're going to stay in Judea, and then you are going to preach to Judea first, and then you're going to spread out to Samaria, because you know Jesus had a special place in his heart for the Samaritans because he wanted to bring all of Israel together, right? And then, and this is the big one, right? Jesus' plan did not end with Jerusalem. It did not end with what used to be Israel. Jesus' plan was to evangelize the entire world, right? Jesus didn't end in just the Jewish community. He didn't just end in the people living in that one area, right? Jesus envisioned a room looking like this with people from all over coming together to learn about him. And that was his focus. And his mechanism for doing that was first the apostles, but then all of us to help out. And a lot of times there can be debate about what Jesus actually wants. So we're going to go into not just one of the scriptures, but three of the scriptures where Jesus calls out exactly what he wants done. In Mark 16, verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Acts chapter 1, he said, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And finally, the, the scripture I think most, a lot of us know very, very well, in Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus had a goal, and his goal was to spread the message to everyone who could hear. And his tool, his mechanism, he put his hopes on people standing here. Ordinary people from different backgrounds, different viewpoints, different races, different understandings of life, 
that can come together for a purpose that is more important than whatever our backgrounds are, that are more important than our differences. And because of Jesus' love and example, we are able to continue in that mission over 2,000 years later. Guys, I hope this encourages you. Um, but just to go over what we've learned, so there have been um, technically uh, 14 apostles, if you count uh, the additions and then Judas leaving. Uh, but take heart and look at the backgrounds of some of these people. Really dig into this because it, it's interesting as you see what happens to them later on. Uh, because throughout Acts, you see the exploits of these. We're going to go through that next week. We're going to go into the beginnings of the church and how it spread and how the ministry began. Uh, but for next week, we're going to be reading chapter 22. Actually, I think it's going to be in a couple weeks. But read chapter 22 and really sink in and dig deep into what inspired the people. Look at what they did and think about what would have inspired someone to take the leaps, to be as brave as they were, right? These guys who were scared, these guys who ran away literally a month ago from these same people, these guys who had no faith when they saw people sick, that couldn't believe people could be healed, who are now healing people, and see how Jesus changes their heart and think about what he can do in our lives with our troubles, with our struggles. If he can do that with these guys, with rebels, with cheating tax collectors, what can he do with us? So guys, I hope this is encouraging. Um, we're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to have uh, a, quick, a couple announcements. Heavenly Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for just pre putting all these people on the earth to just pave the way for us, Father. Thank you for just giving us your words so that we can learn about all the things that you've done to prepare uh, what we have here, this inheritance that we get to enjoy. I pray that we just continuously learn more about you and what you've prepared for us. I pray that we use this as an encouragement to continue to move forward, to learn more about you and to draw nearer to you so that we can help other people just the way you've prepared and planned for us to do. Father, I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, God. Amen.